Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you are all having a brilliant and beautiful and amazing day so far. And if you're not having the best day, um, I'm sending you a whole bunch of love, a whole bunch of light. Uh, remember that life is seasonal in nature and that you can't have the bad without also having the good come your way soon. So just hang in there, send you a whole bunch of love. And to help with life, love, and everything in between, I am pleased and extremely excited to be introducing this week's guest, Mr. Will Etheridge. So Will is a dear friend and somebody that I personally work with to sort of unclutter my mind, unclutter my own beliefs, deconstruct my own sort of thought patterns and values around how I live my life so that I can live in more choice. In this episode, I mean, we talked a lot about the idea of knowing your values and knowing your value systems and how taking ownership of your life and knowing what drives you, what intrinsically motivates you can actually lead to you living a more connected, inspired, fulfilling life. And I mean, this is one of those conversations. It was very candid, very back and forth (laughs) with lots of just ridiculousness because it was just two individuals who were dedicated to doing the work, having a conversation about why it's so important for individuals to actually take their own personal growth into their, like into their own hands. If you keep waiting for life to give you challenges for you to step up, you're going to be waiting and actually responding to life in a way that doesn't necessarily serve. But by taking ownership of your life, by recognizing the pain that you don't want to experience anymore in your life, and then choosing to do something about it, you actually create a roadmap for you to live a very, very, very fulfilling life. And we talk all about that on this week's episode. I mean, we talked value systems, we talked purpose, we talked a lot about Will's story. You're going to get to know him in a really intimate way. We talk a lot about a lot of the clients that Will works with. I mean, Will is is what I would call a spiritual savant, somebody who discovered in the trenches personal development when he was a young boy in the face of suicide and decided to dedicate his life to mastering just about every aspect within the art of living. I personally work with him to help me grow, and I hope you guys enjoy these perspectives. I hope you guys enjoy these these conversations, especially this one, just because Will's work is very near and dear to my heart. We make all of his contact information available in the show notes if you want to reach out and, and have him help you with anything you're going through. And yeah, I have nothing but amazing things to say about Will. And I hope you guys enjoy this week's episode on values, on purpose, on how to actually take control of your life and how to change it as we sort of step into Q4 or as we step into this next phase of uh, the last real frontier before we step into a new year and get to get to be all the things we want to be that we didn't get to be in 2020 because 2020 was one hell of a year. So anyways, all right, guys, if you haven't already subscribed to us on iTunes, all that means is that every single time we release a new episode, it drops straight into your inbox. And um, let me know what you think about this episode. If any questions come up or your biggest takeaways, Will and I are constantly looking for improvement and, and ways to grow and your feedback means the world to us. So, all right, I'm done blabbering. And without further ado, Here is uh, my dear friend, Mr. Will Etheridge. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you are all ready for this wonderful man. Hi, Will. How's it going, bro? Watch out. (laughs) Oh, my God. Where do I start with you, dude? We've had so many conversations and so many 
journeys, so many, I don't know if they're, I don't know what to call them, but we've, we've gone down the rabbit hole in examining all of the different parts of my life that were not in choice. And then slowly but surely brought them into the light so that I could make a choice about whether I wanted that in my life or not. And I think that's a really powerful concept. So I wanted to start there and just maybe start describing what is like the default state that most people are living in right now? I didn't even realize that I had so many unconscious patterns that didn't make any logical sense that were sort of running in the background until I had met you. And you made me very blissfully aware of many of them. So I'm, I'm curious if we can maybe paint a picture there and just start with when you see clients, when you see people, like what is sort of the default state that most people are running on? So the default, let me, let me talk to you about the default mechanism as it relates to perception. One thing I do know is that when anyone perceives anything, they perceive through their sort of historical view on things. So if you come, let's say you come across a person and they remind you of someone, your mind is projecting all the people that they remind you of onto that person because you simply just don't know who they are. And so the mind does a full projection of all your historical people that you've known that remind you of that person. So that's the first thing that happens. You then filter it through your perception, through your value system. And when you filter your perception, it filters through all senses. So all your senses, your taste, your touch, your smell, your proprioception, your kinesthetic feeling inside your body, all feed through your perception. And you either sum up the person as either a positive experience or a negative experience. If you they, they remind you of someone that you liked, enjoyed, loved, you'll have a tendency to sort of immediately open up to them, even though you don't know them. If you don't like them, or they remind you of someone that was uh, that you had a negative perception in the past, you'll close down to them. Have you ever, have you ever had that experience? You never met a person and you're like, oh, there's, they just remind me of my aunt Zelda, or that guy is, just looks like an asshole. So the moment we do that in perception, we sum it up as positive or negative. The moment that we do that, most people that I know just assume that to be true and then box that perception and store it. They don't go any further. So if you think a person is an asshole and they start to actually enter into your life, it might take time for you to actually break down that they're actually not an asshole. You might actually have to have experiences where they are kind or they show up for you or whatever, and that sort of obliterates that experience. But the moment that we sum someone up, we box it either positive or negative and we put it away we default into that. What I do is actually we pull that box up off the shelf if you're working on it, and then we re-examine it. We re-examine it by asking if Jack feels like a jerk to you, go to that moment when Jack was a jerk and let's see how it benefited you. Let's see how it served you. Let's see what Jack was actually teaching you so that we can balance out that immediately immediate negative perception to yeah, I perceived him to be a jerk, but also what he taught me was pretty amazing. And so Jack is both negative and positive in my world, and he's balanced. But the default mechanism is the way we perceive. And we, we just sum things up, and we, we box it. When we do that, we actually create emotional polarities or emotional charges in our world. And so if you've never done this work, it's going to take time to actually balance those perceptions. Have you ever been in a relationship with a woman where you thought she was all amazing, so great, and then you spend enough time with her and then you're like, oh God, her breast stinks in the morning, or she does not look so good without makeup, or that cute little laugh is turning into the, uh, this annoying nightmare. And so sometimes it takes time for us to balance perceptions, but in this work, we balance it right in the spot where we take time and space out of it so that you can actually find a balanced experience with that girl. So you can say, Matt, do I want to be with her or not? So the default is just immediate perception, assuming it to be true and then boxing and storing it. So, so really the, the journey of living a more, a life in choice, which feels like not necessarily a, an unconscious response to someone 
or a judgment to someone. The benefits of living in choice is you get to actually choose how you want to perceive whatever's in front of you. Mm-hmm. And your human beings were fucking lazy. Yeah. Can I say fuck? I'm sorry I said <laughs> Just, right, I mean, be yourself. Be yourself, Will. Be yourself. <laughs> okay, God, thank you. Can't take you anywhere. <laughs> Here we go. Here I am. So, human beings are lazy. Most human beings on this planet are sheep. They are led. If you look at religion, I'm told what to do with my religion. I'm told how to be, how to, uh, I'm, I'm told the doctrine of actually how to be. Right. And I don't have to think, right? perception is very similar i i just i'm lazy i just you know that guy's an asshole i don't have anything to do with him and and she's super amazing but what we don't understand is life if you think of that person is so amazing you're about to get your ass kicked by them have you noticed have you noticed when you start to hit all the hard spots and you're just like oh my god she was so amazing and now she's a nightmare she's really clingy all of a sudden i really wanted to be around her and i don't want to be around anymore because that that wanting to be around me has turned into clingy or that super cute laugh has turned into this annoying, raspy nightmare. So basically, I'm in, I, so I forgot what you were asking. I was, I was going down a rabbit hole and I forgot what the... Well, you, okay, I, I forgot what I asked you because I was listening I going down the rabbit hole. I got but excited. I think, well, well, the point of what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm really trying to get at is I think most people are biased towards one way of being over another without actually taking the time to examine why they perceive what's in front of them the way that they do. It takes effort. It takes effort. But what are the benefits of that effort? Because I think that's, what's, that's, that's really what I've been sort of, my eyes have been open to really. Like, I mean, sitting down and being able to examine my biases, like, that has led to myself allowing myself to be more present, to be less reactive, to be much more observant of an opportunity, if you would, so that I can then respond with choice. And I think that that one concept is something that isn't talked about enough. And I guess I just wanted to get your perspectives on why. I think that was the initial question. Why aren't we doing this more? Because it takes effort. It's a lot of work you know. You've just gone to journey. Prior to journey, prior to your spiritual experience, you were floating in life. You were just taking life as it came. And on some level, it's easy to do that. But pain is usually what brings people into the spiritual path. It's pain. I have built so many charges up that I literally can't stand myself anymore. I can't stand how I'm thinking. I can't stand how I'm behaving. I, I've got so many negative perceptions of people that have created landmines all throughout my life and they keep they keep going off right and they keep building so it's pain that actually drives a person usually to want to understand themselves and to do the work if you are a meditator or if you go into the buddhist faith the work is meditation the work is contemplation it's actually sitting down every morning and going inward and discovering yourself that takes effort I think a lot of effort for you. Journey, journey sometimes is effortless, but it's not so, right? I mean, yeah. you have to continue to work on the new awarenesses that you had and literally journal and do all the things that you do. And so most people don't do it because it just takes a lot of work. And a lot of people don't have the value system for inward journey, for self growth. They just, it, they just don't, they don't care to do it. They just rather be in that default setting, like you said, and take life as it comes, take, take life as it comes. Can we talk about value systems real quick? Cause I think it's really important when you, when you say a value system, what are you referring to and how does that play into the choices that everybody, that people make on a day-to-day basis? Every person has a unique set of values. Values is uh, known as axiology. It's the study of uh, value. And we, what I do is mainly go into the study of personal value, individual value. There's, there's all different value systems. But I stay focused on the individual value. And each person has their unique set. Uh, there's no value system that is the same. It's very much like um, a snowflake or a fingerprint. It's unique to you. When you discover your values a.k.a. when I take you through a 13-question sort of process 
you discover what you love most, what lights you up, what you want to talk about, what you want to set goals towards. You find out where your true discipline is, intrinsic discipline. You find out where your genius is, right? That's where your values are. So your values are what you want to import into your world. You perceive, there's another way of looking at values. It's called a void drives value. It means that the things that you perceive that are most missing, the things that you maybe struggled with most in your life. I'll give you an example. A child who has a separation from mother. Mother is disconnected. She's, uh, she's not affectionate. She just does the basic, she, she gives the child the basic needs, but she's just not present. That child has a void of warm, sweet, kind mother. That person literally might attract in their life these big, giant, breasted, full-bodied women that love that person and that, that he just can you know run and hug them and smush them and not even realize that his void of warm mother has created a value of attracting really delicious, lovely, sweet, warm women into his life, right? And so... Your void drives your value. That creates what you want to see in the world. It creates your direction in the world. It creates your communication in the world. But most people don't actually have their values on a page. It's in their head. And so I'll do my values. I'm doing my values every day. I might not be aware of it. But I, if I, let's say I love, I love climbing and I love gardening and I love my children. Right. And that's 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 the value. Climbing is number one, gardening is number two, and children's number three. I might find myself getting up and out very early in the morning before everyone wakes up to go climbing. I might literally find myself literally knowing exactly the equipment I want, when the sails are on, right? And then when I'm done with climbing, I might jump into the garden and I might literally just garden and for for the rest of the morning. And then I might uh, jump into the house as soon as the kids are starting to wake up, right? I've got all the fresh vegetables and stuff. And I'm going to cook them a wonderful meal. And I cook my kids a meal. And that's the next thing that I do. And so I've literally catered and I'm doing all of my values. It's just that when they're not on a page, they become categorized. They become separated by these walls. Yeah. They're not do them. Yeah. But I don't see, one, how they're connected. I don't see two while I'm doing them in the order that I'm doing them. It's actually, you're actually quite a genius the way that you do your values. You're a genius in the way that you actually do your morning, the way you do your afternoon, the way you do your evening. Your value, you'd be filling your values. And so what I do is I, is I help you clearly see them on a page. And then once you see them on a page, we can do a thousand and one things with your values. I can show you uh, doing a, called a love list. And you can actually, you can list everything you love about each individual value. You can do pages and pages of what you love about it. And you can literally expand it and get to know it. On the idea of values, are your values sort of set in stone? Let me, let me ask you like the difference between your values and your purpose. Like, are they both the same thing? Because it sounds like there's maybe some overlap there. Can you describe the overlap if there is one? Very simple. Your purpose is in your number one value or your telos. Your telos means end in mind, the direction that my life is heading. So your number one value is your purpose. Your values are malleable, meaning that because you have void drives value, the thing which you perceive to have the greatest void is going to be on the top of your value list. Well, let me ask you, this is an interesting point for me, and this is actually very interesting because if void drives value for me, my highest value is being the best possible version of myself that I can be. It's, it's personal growth, right? It's going deeper and deeper and deeper into myself and doing everything I can. Every... So what is the void that drives that value? And is that healthy, right? Like, is it healthy to continuously chase the void or design a life that fills the void? Or does it have to be void? Or can it just be true intrinsic sort of desire to you know, to see what I'm made of or to see, you know, like I'm, I'm just kind of curious, like, is it always void or is there, is there another driver that can sort of, that, that can be the North Star? 
Well, you, there's both. You have a void in which knowing yourself, you have a, there's a feeling of, I want to get to know myself more. I want to do more journeys. I want to do, I want to drop into meditation more. And so haven't you ever noticed that you will fill yourself up with self-exploration to a degree? And then when you feel, you feel that void's been filled, you'll jump to business and then you'll do business, right? And then you'll do business to a degree. And let's say maybe you're starting to feel missing yourself and that you're missing yourself creates a void and you jump back to missing yourself. And then maybe, uh, maybe relationship to family is a third. I'm making, I'm making shit up right now, but maybe you start to miss mom and dad or you miss your, your things. And then you're like, I need to take a trip to go and see mom and dad. But while I'm there, I'm missing self-growth. And so I'm going to pick up a journey there, 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 and see mom and dad. So you start to weave them together. So it's, it's not so individual. It's really sort of, it's really weaved together. You might find in a day that, I'll give you an example. This is how I do my morning. When I wake up, I don't wake up right away. I get nauseous if I jump out of bed right away. I don't know why that is. I just have always... It's always happened to me. And so I figured out to literally go on my cell phone and wake up before I get out of bed. So I'll, I'll, if I have to wake up at seven, I'll set my alarm clock for 6.30. I'll give myself 30 minutes just to wake up. When I wake up, then I get out of bed and I take a shower first because I want to wake up even further. So my value system's on, right? It's the void. My void is getting up and waking up. And then I literally go straight from there. I get ready and I go straight down and I make my coffee because my coffee is the next thing that's waking me up. It's waking me up to do my values. And then I jump right down in my office because serving others is my number one value. My second value behind that, which is neck and neck, is work on self. So serving others and working on self constantly play, they constantly are shifting and altering void value, void value. And so once I fill that void, the other one's going to bump up. And I fill that, it's going to bump up. And then this one might bump up. It might be like, I need to work on my business now. I need to like do marketing. So that yeah, bumped yeah. up. That might not bump up as much because I just don't have as great a void in that. Does that make sense? So purpose feels like a very amorphous sort of idea. At least when we describe it in terms of value, like if your values can sort of change with the seasons, then your purpose also changes with the seasons. So look at your values, your business, and your self-work, your self-growth. Well, my three values are personal growth and then creating, creating a better world. The third one is having beautiful, authentic relationships. Can't you understand that the more that you learn about yourself, you actually help to make a better world for others? And then you work more for yourself than you work. More. So they work in concert. They're, they're literally, it's not these big giants are I do this now and I do this for 10 days and I do this. It's not that way. It's like these might, these might fucking subtly interchange throughout the day. And your mind's weaving them together. Oh, I'm going to take this and put that into whatever, making this better for this person. I'm going to do this and I'm going to, um, a better for person. Oh yeah, I just figured out that that would be better for my clients. I want to study it. So it's almost like your ability, it's, it's, it's a supercomputer, your values. It, it is right. Like your, your values are your meaning making machines. Like that's really what your, like your perception, you're actually how you're making meaning in the world, which then can be coined as purpose. My purpose in life is X, like whatever, if you want to have that, but really it sounds like true purpose is just living into the values that, that, that drive you every single day. Your perception filters through your value system. It's constantly filtering through your value system. How can I gain the most benefit in my number one, number two, number three values? How do I do that? I want to gain the most benefit out of it. How do I, how do I work on myself today? Oh, I'm going, to sit, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to meditate and use that meditation that I just got. I can't wait. And that's going to help me prepare to calm so I can go right into work. Ah, oh, that's going to feel great. And then I go right into work. Ah, oh, I can't wait to see my buddy. I'm going to have lunch with him. I'm going to go have yeah. lunch with him. And I'm, my, my values are constantly filtering through. And if I don't know the next moment, it's a little painful. Oh, what yeah. am I doing? I'm, I'm bored. Or what, how, what am I going to do next, right? Have you heard those moments? You're like, I don't know what I want to do next. It's and actually so really interesting, man. I had that. I had like a, a moment like that 
recently, actually, it was a few days ago. And I remember I came back to my journal and I wrote down, I was like, all right, what are my values? And I was like, okay, oh, that's right. Those are my values. That's what I can live into. Now, I want to ask you, I guess, values in this sense feel like things that that you're either working towards, right? Like, what about things you're running from? If void drives value, as much as we're running towards things, like, yes, but are there also things that we're unconsciously running from? And how does that sort of play into the idea of purpose and values and, and all the things that we do? So remember how I said most people are lazy? Most people don't want to deal with pain and the shame and the guilt and the doubt. They'd rather just keep avoiding it and running away from it and then running towards things that feel yummy and delicious and right. But what happens with that is you get a buildup. You start your 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 closets and your attics and your in your basement starts to fill up with all your shit. When you start to and you start to literally become overwhelmed by your pain. So when I see clients, most clients have such a buildup of stuff that they're bursting at the seams. Uh, I've had clients that they couldn't stop crying during the whole session. I have clients that, that were so anxious that they that they could barely stay in relationship to me. It just there was so much static going through it. And so when you have that, you're actually not really living in your values because you're you have so much static going on that's actually hard to really go after what you love. Haven't you ever seen friends like that where you're just like they're just constantly in a state of drama? They're constantly in a state of chaos. You can't really fulfill values in a constant state of chaos. You might be able to do individual things where they give you temporary happiness. But what I'm talking about is a person who's living in their values is living in inspiration. They're living in gratitude. Uh, They're people who take full, they're taking as much responsibility for their lives as possible. Really brilliant entrepreneurs are people who are fucking inspired and they don't, they don't lay blame to anyone else except themselves. And they're, and they're brilliant as a result of it. It's very, very opposite from a person who's a sheep, who doesn't want to deal, who wants to take life as it comes, who wants who wants to skim off the top of the yummy yum, but not dive into the deep. So I, I find a lot of people who are doing that are usually not inspired. There's usually a lot of confusion around what they want to do. They don't know what they want to do because there's so much. Well, let's talk about that because like, I think there's an element of like, I don't want to know because if I know, then I have to do something about it. Yeah. There's that element, right? But And if you know what you most love, the greatest fear comes up that I'm going to lose it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to make enough money at it. Uh, spiritual authorities are going to judge me on it. Parents are going to judge me on it. Well, let's let's give people credit, man. Like that's a, that's or not credit, but a little compassion. That's a tough thing to go up against. So like, how does one actually begin that journey to, to start looking at this shit and begin that journey of like, like, how does that courage, I guess, how do you build that courage intrinsically, which feels like the seeds of inspiration? You understand that if you really do go after it, and you really do work on yourself, and you really start to strip the layers of shame and guilt and fear and doubt, and give yourself full permission just to go for it, that the rewards of the feeling of inspiration, the feeling of tackling a challenge that actually has true meaning to you. So a lot of times I'll teach people, I say, you know, you're going to get challenged in life, right? You're going to get challenged. It doesn't matter. You're going to get challenged every single day. Would you like to deal with challenge that are low value, aka working in McDonald's and having a manager yell at you and cleaning up the fry grease and, and sw- mopping up a disgusting floor? Do you want to do those challenges? Or do you want to take the risk and have the courage enough to actually shift those challenges into high value challenges, challenges where you're like, you're going to meet challenges in your high values. Those fears I told you about are challenges. The struggles of, of let's say, creating the website for the thing that you want to do and you don't know websites and you don't know where to go. That's a challenge, but that's a high value challenge that you're like, I want to get this website done because because what I have to create, I'm excited about, and I want people to see it and that, right? So you're, you're literally inspired and you're, one is distrust. 
Going to McDonald's is distress. You're dragging out of bed. I don't want to go. This fucking job sucks. I can't believe I got to do this. I can't believe my parents are making me do this, right? No, yeah. no uh, responsibility. Versus I'm going to do this. I'm going to do the website. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to spend all day on it. I'm going to call Raj because he knows how to do websites. I'm going to call Jan because she knows how to do marketing. I'm figuring this out. And I'm inspired. And I'm going to get up tomorrow morning and I'm going to do it. It's vastly different. If you can give people that contrast, you have to teach people. So that's why people come to me and they come to me for values because I need to illuminate that. You're going to have fears. You're going to have doubts. You're going to, you're going to have major, major hurdles to come over. But if you understand that you are engaging in a high value challenge, a you stress challenge, a, a, a beneficial stress challenge, it is night and day. A worthy struggle. It's a worthy struggle. It's a worthy struggle. It's like, what are you willing to struggle for? That to me has always, I mean, that's always driven me. Even when I first started in entrepreneurship, that was always the question. I didn't know anything about values. I didn't know anything about some of the work that that we're doing together and some of the work that you do. But like, I just, I mean, for me, it was, it was purely, it was almost a pure, like, I know what I didn't want whatever the opposite of what I didn't want was inspiring enough for me to go out there and learn how to be an entrepreneur. You have to be aware enough to know what you don't want. Right. And that's, but that's, I guess comes back to, so awareness feels like one of the biggest gifts that people can give themselves. So I know you said that there's a lot of people that are followers that are sheep in that, in that sense. But what about like the, the fear of feeling? Because it sounds like there's a, there's an avoidance of, feeling certain emotions when emotions are pretty damn, I mean, like if you think about a baby, a baby doesn't really think much when they cry. Like a baby doesn't really think when she, when she wants to poop her pants, like a baby just is, is in flow with the natural emotions of life. So I feel like as children, as human beings, emotions aren't necessarily the problem. Like, so what are people afraid of feeling? I'm just trying to bring as much awareness to that idea of like, why are people stopping themselves from feeling the pain? Well, you, you have different emotions. You have shame, you have guilt, you have uh, self-resentment, you have other resentment, you have, you have infatuation, right? You have, so you have all these different feelings and you have all these different mood states. And when you, when you feel one, it's like a direct cause and effect, right? So if you have guilt... That's the perception that you did something to someone bad in the past. I'm guilty because I've done something that I perceive that caused a person pain. It's for most people, it's subconscious. They don't have those direct thoughts of like, I got this and therefore I have guilt. It's just, you feel shitty. And so for most people, if you don't dig into yourself and you don't want to work on yourself, the first thing you want to do is avoid. I grab a donut and I eat it. I go online and I shop, call a friend and gossip. I want, I want this feeling to go away, right? And so it's, again, it's that sort of being able to sit. It's the pain piece again. When the pain gets great enough, for most people, you'll do something about it. When was the first time you felt pain and did something about it? Um, I was young when I started out with spirituality. I, I, I I felt like I was taking too much space up in the world. Uh, I tried to commit suicide when I was 20, had a, a 45 semi-auto to my head, cocked and ready to go. And the moment I stuck to my head, my thought, the thought was, there's got to be more than this. There's just got to be more than this. And then I put yeah. the gun down and it, my whole world changed with that thought. Even before then, I was uh, in spiritual practices with my mom, with shamanism and medicine finding someone's medicine animal and holotropic breath work and AA and Al-Anon Alateen. Like I was an early seeker. I had the value system for it. My mom had the value system for seeking. I studied with an, an enlightened master for 17 years and meditated every day for an hour and a half and chanted every day for an hour and a half. I mean, I was, I was in deep, but I had the value system for it. I'm talking about people who don't have the value system for it. How do you develop the value system? That's the void. Exceptional pain. That's the void that drives the value. So you have to be aware of your exceptional pain. You have to be willing to face or take responsibility for your pain. 
And that's what then drives the value of you wanting to change your life or to work on yourself. So it truly is like looking, it's taking radical ownership of the circumstances in front of you. It is, it is taking it on you. That, that is the only thing that can actually inspire a value set that will then allow you to dig yourself out of your, out of the hole. Void drives value. Back in the day when people were just going, just doing the rote life, taking things as they come. And then all of a sudden they build and build and build and build and so much pain happens. They're just like, they might have the thought of God, I need to learn how to meditate. God, I need to get back to church and reconnect to my connection to God. God, I need to go to an A meeting. I'm drinking way too much, right? And then there's this gap. There's this opening that says, I can't do this anymore. I need to change my behavior. And then people start to start to just try things. And then they try things, cascades into, I found, I found my niche. I found journey, I found meditation. I found uh, psychotherapy. I, I found, and then all of a sudden, they then do the effort to figure out and create awareness around what they haven't been seeing. That's all it is. And the moment they can see something and they can have greater awareness around something, they can navigate it better. But it's, it's, it's all in, it's all in understanding ownership and, and taking ownership for your life. If you don't, you get what you get. Life is going to throw you full quantum the whole way. It's going to challenge and support, challenge and support all the way along. Yeah. It's almost like you need to have, say, if you don't brainwash yourself, the world will brainwash you. If you don't, if you don't consciously become aware of the choices you're making, then you will be unconsciously making choices that are in alignment with the flow of life. And if you trust the flow of life, like, I mean, if this year has taught anybody anything, it's that you can't trust the flow of life with everything. I mean, like if you consistently wait for something outside of you to bring you joy or something outside of you to create that, that sense of safety within yourself, you're consistently giving your power away. Let's take the example of the entrepreneur that's slightly off purpose. I have seen so many entrepreneurs, they think it's money. They think that's what they want. It's money. And so they create vehicles to build a shit ton of money, right? And they're fucking unhappy. How many entrepreneurs do something like that? Just radically unhappy. Uh, and they're drinking and they're using and they're partying and they're buying all their yachts and their ships and they're fucking miserable. And that's because they may have adopted dad's value of wealth building. And dad may have had an original healthy purpose on wealth building. And wealth building is a value. I mean, uh, uh, Warren Buffett is, is one of the best examples of a person who, uh, who loves wealth building for wealth building's sake. But if his son comes along and tries to adopt dad's value system, he may know how to do it. He's watched dad his whole life. And he gets into that world and he buries himself into all of these businesses that he's created. He's fucking miserable because he never really asked himself what he really wants. He adopted what dad wanted. Yeah. And he buried himself under a bunch of unrealistic expectations or injected values on dad, dad's value system into his. That makes sense? Really interesting. Yeah. And so that, that happens all the time. I've worked with two CEOs that were miserable, miserable. And, and both CEOs, they had no interest whatsoever in what they were doing at all. And in fact, one CEO is now a brilliant artist, amazing artist. Oh my God, his work is, his work is selling for like 20, 30,000 bucks a piece. And the other one, he's traveling and actually like creating these amazing trips for people around the world. So they both, they both basically just gave up their businesses, had a lot of money, a lot of money to do it because they created that for themselves, but they're now accurately doing what they love and they're, they're on fire. They're light. They're, they're, they don't feel like you've seen the see with dead eyes. You're like, dude, let me, on. you're not. Let me you're ask not you something there. before I forget the question. Injected values. So parenting is obviously incredibly important, right? Like it's incredibly important if you are a parent or if you aspire to be a parent to, to teach kids the right, sort of values or to help them be incredible members of society or to give them the best chance of experiencing fulfillment in life, right? 
there is a passing along of values. There is a passing along of principles. How do you differentiate between things that are passed along in a way that can serve with some of these injected? Because it sounds like there's something missing in the passing along of values, or maybe the kids receiving and making meaning of the values that's causing a, a rift, if you would, in the way that they go about living their lives. Like, how do you bridge that gap or fix it or do it better and kind of in general help people become aware of those injected values and the way that kids are perceiving them? Again, most people know none of this. The parents are just parenting and the kids are absorbing. That's what's going on, right? So if that's what's going on and no one's talking about it, then I'm just taking it as it, as it comes. So here's what's happening in that. If a child, child has their own unique value system, parent has their unique value system, they're going to have an overlap. Where there's an overlap in their value systems, I accept your parenting. It incorporates with my value system because they overlap, right? Where they don't overlap is where injected values are going to start to happen. So let's say mom values education Kid has no fucking idea how education serving his values. Mom's going to start injecting her value system on how to study and when to study for how long to study, surrounding the kid with ways to study. If the kid doesn't understand how education serves their values, it's going to be a, a projection onto the kid and an attempt an injection to their value system. When that happens, and I don't see how your projection is filling my value system, it immediately creates static for me. I immediately start to get frustrated and I immediately start to get resentful because I feel that you're putting something onto me. You're not seeing me anymore. You're projecting and you're assuming a lot and I am being missed totally. That's an injected value because I do not see how it serves my values. So a lot of times in that case, I actually have to get the kid's value system and uh, I'll give you an example. There was a kid who was failing math, geometry, could not understand it, did not want to understand it. The mom's was like exasperated. She's calling her kids for failure. He doesn't, he's a lazy, he only wants to play video games, he only wants to play soccer, right? And I said, your son doesn't understand how math is actually serving him. So let's actually start to see how geometry serves him. We pulled up a picture of a soccer field. The soccer field is all geometry. And I said, I don't know geometry that well, but why don't you take this soccer field into your, into your teacher and have your teacher teach you or a tutor teach you based on the soccer field? I said, if you know the geometry of how to kick a ball into a goal, the best angle, is that interest to you? He goes, yeah. I said, so let's figure out how to kick a ball into a soccer field so you can understand the geometry of it Got or it. All, the other, all the other geometry going on in that soccer field. All of a sudden, the kid went from failing to an A+. plus. So, so these one-size-fit-all value sets that are, I guess, ingrained in religion and culture and society, and like they schooling, really they don't work. One-size-fit-all. No, it doesn't work. It's, it's, it's an antiquated industrial. Our school was an industrial version to get workers on the, on, on the, on the factory lines. They, they didn't need to have individual value sets like we do today where things are really intricate and super unique. It almost sounds like the steps. So if somebody wanted to change their lives and they weren't already taking the initiatives to do so, it would be first step, acknowledge your pain and face it and make the decision to take ownership of your life and do something about it. Then for, number two would be to discover what your values are, like what actually drives you, what, what are you, what lights you up? What are you working towards? And then from there, begin the, the the process of sort of untangling all of the static that the unconscious static that's stopping you from just living into your values. Because when you're living into your values, can you describe the feeling? Like what should somebody feel like we've already talked about the opposite of not living in your values and what that feels like, the shame, the guilt, the frustration, but what does living in your values actually feel like? There's an powerful sense of wonder. I wonder what it's going to look like. I wonder how it's going to feel like when I am a doctor, when I am an entrepreneur of that particular business. I wonder how it's going to shape up. So there's, there's an incredible sense of curiosity. There is inspiration. 
I get to wake up. Like when I first started John's work, I was like, holy shit, I get to wake up. Who's and I John? Can you, can you stuff describe John? John Martini is, is my, is one of my main teachers. He's a, he's a human behaviorist, a very, very well-read human behaviorist created a lot of the uh, processes whereby I take people through. He, he helped me to understand values to the degree that I do. And he obliterated so many old, outdated concepts. In fact, he does it every time you're with him, that you actually come into this freedom of knowledge and freedom of understanding, sort of more full quantum understanding. That's pretty amazing. He's an, he's an amazing. So what happens is, you start to want to like you're you're automatically disciplined to do it you will you will face any challenges that that come up in it it's again it's that you stress it's that you stress challenge challenges will show up in it and you will face them and you will figure it out you might have to spend all day on something figuring it out and you've known that for yourself yep. Yep. as you're building your businesses your communication becomes very nuanced you have a very nuanced way of talking about what you love. There's a focus when you talk about it. Like I'm talking about something that I love. I'm not stuttering. I'm not stammering. I'm clear in what it is. I want to say that the next thought comes up immediately. There's a, there's almost like a flow that happens as a result of it. You really get out of the way and you allow that flow to happen. And the more that you involve yourself in your highest values, literally the, the the smoother it is that you can talk about something, you start to inspire others, you become magnetic, you become super magnetic in what you're doing, what you love. You start to attract people to teach or you attract people to evolve in your value. If you're doing your purpose, there's there's many, many, many more people that are doing other people's purposes. Call the workers for for a CEO. It's it's the workers for a corporation. Someone had an idea, and everyone's like, "Cool, I don't want to do that, but I, I'll help you with your purpose. I'll help you engage in it." And there's nothing wrong with that. No, it's not at all. Because you, I might be working for you, and you might be paying me seventy thousand dollars a year, and I'm able to climb. Yeah. Do my purpose. I'm able to do my, I'm able to pay attention to my family. I'm, you're giving me all sorts of uh, time or opportunities to do what I love. Yeah. I don't care if you build a business. That's not, that's not what I want to do. My, my value is over here. So many other people are doing values because of working for, working for an entrepreneur who's fulfilling his, let's say. Yeah. So it, it's a, it's a completely engaged experience. You know, and you might get, I've gotten hammered in my values, but I, I also had to figure out this whole piece of, of, of literally giving back injected values because there, yeah. it's layers and layers of it. There's a paradigm of injected values that's like a heavy woolen wet blanket that you actually have to work to get out from underneath. And the moment yeah. you do, the more clear you work in your values and you work in your values, how you want to, when you want to, if you want to. It's interesting, man. Like values work has been some of the most profound work for myself and just even like beliefs, like examining beliefs. Like if I have a belief around money, that injected belief was inherited from my parents' beliefs around money or my, if I have beliefs around love or if I have ideas around love and those ideas around love were inherited from culture or, you know, the, the, my societies, you know, like it's fascinating when you can actually begin to observe which of like the choices you're making in your life and how those choices are either directly in alignment with what your heart wants and what's true for you versus anything that may be injected. I, and I like the word injected because it's not yours. So somebody else yours. squeezed it in you. And they're attempting, it, they're attempting to, it's the static and stops it. And, and that's the thing. And that's, and, and so like whenever you, whenever you experience a charge or whenever you feel an emotional wall, that's your opportunity to actually examine your life and see what is out of congruence. And, and it's such profound work, man. And I, I'll say, Will, like working with you has just been such a, a privilege and a gift. Hmm. Like I really, really, really value our friendship. And, and it's been so illuminating for me to actually understand the nuances in my own value sets and the value sets of my parents and 
and the value sets of culture and the value sets of what society is just pushing out, the value sets of politics. I mean, like it's so it's so powerful for me to now look at the world through that lens. In general, if individuals wanted to sort of discover their values, how could they do that? And if if they wanted to work with you, how would they reach out? But in general, I'd love to like, is are there free resources that people can access to sort of get their own journey started in, in value work? Yeah. So basically, just wanted to say in, in sort of what you were saying, I've done thousands of hours of work on values, thousands of hours of work on perceptual balancing. We haven't really even gotten in perceptual balancing. Maybe that's the next conversation we'll have. But I have... I literally do this every day. It is a, it is, it, I'm an example of it being a huge value for me because I had just have done it since 2000. The moment I got his work and the moment he started talking, I literally jumped on it. Like I'll give you an example. I did a, a collapse and collapses today are two traits, two positive and two negative traits. And it usually takes about eight hours to move through that process. I did 18 traits. That was back in the day. And it was my first collapse. And it took me 15 hours. Can you just and describe it, what a collapse is real quick for anybody who's listening? And like, what, what is this guy talking about? A collapse, a quantum collapse. Your first one is working on someone else. It's someone else that you're most struggling with. It's, it's, it's your nemesis. It could be. So you're taking an injected value. If there's like a person or somebody who you have a lot of charge about and what you're collapsing is the injected values. Like, what are you actually collapsing? Like, what is that? You and I worked through an injected value collapse. It's a completely separate collapse. This is a relationship collapse where you take a person, you take two of the most positive traits you can think about them, two of the most resented traits you can think about them, and then you you go uh, 14 questions, uh, seven questions per positive, seven questions per negative, that literally systematically get you to the opposite opposite question, opposite understanding, so that you literally glean everything that you haven't seen about that person. The moment you do an equal and opposite questioning and you glean all that information, you powerfully balance your perception in that trait. The entire trait is balanced. And it's it's seven questions per positive, seven questions per negative. The moment you do that and you've completely balanced it, you have a a completely obliterated the old relationship, it, it ceases to exist. And you are a different person in relationship to that person. And you see very different things in them. So you, you, you powerfully, radically change yourself in relationship to them and yourself in yourself. So it's, and, and yourself in relationship to that trait. And so whatever trait you work on will also, you will also be different with people. So your, your world starts to shift powerfully. And completely. Um, so it's, it's a really powerful collapse. But if you wanted to, I've got to get my website for some reason is down. So I've got to call them today and get it back up. But you can, you can go to willethers.com. I've got a bunch of uh, articles on there. I've got a bunch of writings on there on values, on depression, on how to look at it. So there's plenty of work there. And you, I think you have my number. I put my number on the bio because it's just my business number. And they okay. can contact me there. And anyone can ask me anything they want. Yeah, and I'll I'll open for this type of conversation for sure. No, and I mean, I I just I love your work, man. I think, and I love you. I think what's admire what I admire most about you is how dedicated you are to your own. Like I like when I think about people that I love bringing on to the show, and I think about people that I love learning from. It's never somebody who's just teaching behind a textbook. It's somebody who's rolling up their sleeves and diving into their own medicine and truly looking at the pain, the struggles, everything in their own, the shadow, if you would, in your own life. And and that was one of the things that attracted me most to you was just the amount of of work that you've dedicated yourself to. And I love you, man. I mean, this has been just such a beautiful conversation, one of many that we've had off the mic. But I'm really glad, really glad that we got to to just shine into the idea of values and and sort of impress the importance of knowing yours. And by knowing yours, you're actually everyone else's values for what they are. So you're not necessarily even wishing things were different. You're actually able to meet the world in a more prepared manner. Just to make a point to what you just said, and thank you, by the way, you can't actually help anyone where you have a blind spot. Yeah. You just can't. And so if you're going to work with anyone in this way, 
actually to be successful, to not have complete shit shows happen in, in therapy. And they do if you're if you have blind spots to that person's issues. You literally like a client becomes a mirror to you. Whatever comes into your office, that's what you need to work on. That's that's the issue. And so I can literally work on myself as I'm working on someone else. Because any perceptions that they give me are transforming. If I agree with them, they change my perception. And so I actually do a mirrored work with a person. I'm not focused to, on it in that way, but I'm just, I suddenly go, oh, that's actually true for me. That, that's true for me too. That's true for me too. And so I balance my perceptions while I'm working with people. And then it's thousands of hours that I do by myself as well. Just be, it's, it's awesome. It's crack. I love it. Are you kidding me? It's total crack to be like, have a complete new awareness where you actually feel light, free, unburdened. It's, it's like when you have polarities, you're gravitational and you're heavy. When you actually transform polarities, you're light. You, you have enlightened yourself and you have taken an antiparticle and a particle and created light. And that's what we're doing, creating light. We're creating light. We're creating light and inspiration and understanding and love. Not a bad, not a bad, not a bad outcome. Not a bad outcome at all. Man, well, I... Guys, we'll make all of Will's uh, contact information, everything available in the show notes so you guys can reach out to him. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you being here, man. I appreciate you being you. I got one last question for you, brother. In the midst of everything you're doing and everywhere you've been, how do you stay grounded? You know, uh, it's, it's, I just ask myself what I want. And so my self-care and my self-growth, I have hundreds of tools. So it might be a walk. It might be yoga. It might go into the gym. It might be taking something that I'm bothered by and balancing out my perception. It might be diving into values work, like redoing my values and seeing where I currently am. I redo my values every couple of months. I just want to see where I'm at. Uh, I'm working currently on manifesting a relationship. You want to hear about this? It's really kind of cool. I'm taking your relationship is always around you. So if I don't have a romantic relationship, my relationship is in the many. And there are particular people that actually really represent male relationship to me. And I'm gay. So there's that. So I take the traits of people that represent relationship to me and I write all their traits down next to their name. Then I put a trait on an Excel spreadsheet and I go, let's say it's, uh, it's, made loads of money. If that's an infatuated trade, I do the drawbacks of that trade on the next column. I do the exact opposite traits of lost a lot of money. And I do the benefits of that so I can balance out each trait inside myself. Because I know that when my partner comes along, I'm going to get a full quantum human being and not my fantasy. So I make sure I'm actually grounded in the traits that I am actually attracting and seeing both sides so that I can be grounded when I meet the next partner, which attracts them to me. That's super fascinating. I love the idea of breaking the fantasy. So you're, you're systematically breaking the idea of somebody. So whatever you might meet somebody, you're infatuated. You think this person could be like someone really special and I very quickly. And instead of getting lost in that sort of speedy, racy, mind-fueled sort of activity, you're actually coming back into... It's a one-sided fantasy. That's it's what a one-sided, takes Yeah, no, that's right. You're... you're you're falling in love with the idea. And so you're actually bringing yourself back to reality, which is then allowing you to actually appreciate the magic in reality, which is right here, right now, guaranteed over the one that you're fabricating in your mind without choice. I appreciate all the men that are representing the person until the person comes along. And then I can really appreciate the person because I've also appreciated myself. Huh. Huh. I just ground into myself. And I, just, I love I'm, it. I'm, That's... I'm not like <laughs> chasey, chasey fantasy land. I got to get on Bumble. I got to get on Tinder. <laughs> right? It's like, I don't want that. I want to magnetize the person to me and I want to become the best version of myself before that happens. That's powerful. That's very, very, very powerful, man. And I'm, that's why I love you, Will. That's why I love you. I love just how much of a hacker you are for all the different areas of your life. Like you truly are inspired to master the art of living in every way and it shows and it's i love you man thank you i just i appreciate i appreciate you i can't wait to see you soon but everybody that is a wrap for this week's episode of stay grounded i'm your host raj this is your new friend mr will and from us from us stay grounded 
We'll chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.